Good morning. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. The claim of the psalmist is something I like to call a God-sized promise. His promise of protection is so big that no one could possibly be capable of it other than God. The psalmist says he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will take refuge. When I was a kid, I used to like thinking about God-sized promises. How God could be everywhere all at the same time. How God could have no beginning and no end. And yet somehow that happened at some point. I don't know. I'm, I was a weird kid. But there's also a childlike imagination to this. Thinking about all the times that God stands between you and death, between you and sadness, and wraps you in one of his wings as he wards away evil. When I hear he will cover you in his feathers and under his wings you will take refuge, my childlike imagination pictures soft brown and white feathers that tickle as you stand inside the shadow of his wings, safe from all harm. A thousand may fall at your right side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And yet, as we grow up, this childlike vision begins to fade. New thoughts and new experiences begin to redefine our image of what refuge is. For some people like me, this vision begins to fade because of something that happens to us. We are caught in a storm that is too big to face, and we feel utterly alone. When I was a kid, I would cling to this image of protection because I was scared. Everyone at church who knew what my home was like claimed that God's promise of protection was for me. Many of the people around me would take every opportunity to quote Jeremiah 29:11 to me and tell me that God was letting me, this happen to me and my family for a reason. But ultimately, he would end up protecting me someday, so it was okay. Or my favorite, he will never give you more than you can handle. But really, sometimes it was. A 14-year-old should never live out of a tote box and wonder if they're going to come home at night when they leave for school in the morning. A teenager should never be so stressed out and so scared that they forget to eat and sleep. But for other people, it's the loss of a loved one. The person who is your rock or your refuge for your entire life in a visible sense. For others, it's the sense of having done everything right in life and still being able to barely afford food for yourselves or for your family. And for others, it's simply finding that getting to a place in life where you're finally secure requires leaving childlike visions behind you for quote-unquote real life. Our reading of Luke today 
paints a much different picture than the psalm. And the contrast is almost so great that they seem unrelated. In Luke, we see that Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. The devil said, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Seems harmless, right? We know that Jesus could do that. We saw many times throughout the New Testament where Jesus fed people from seemingly nothing. He can make bread and loaves feed entire groups of people when he only had a small amount to begin with. The devil then led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I give you all their authority and splendor. If you worship me, it will be yours. This one seems to make a little bit more sense. Outright worship of the devil is definitely going to be a sin. <laughs> and some could argue that Jesus already had that authority anyway. Then the third test. The devil told him to throw himself off the roof of the temple. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against this stone. This is possible. This is something that we see in Psalm 91, where I will command the angels concerning you. And yet Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus doesn't disagree with Satan. He doesn't call him a liar. And we see later in Jesus' story that the same thing is said to him on the cross. If you just call out for the Lord, he will save you. If anything, Jesus seems to realize that God and the devil seem to have very different agendas. The devil offers him food when he's hungry. He offers Jesus the power that he deserves as God's son. These things wouldn't necessarily be bad, except they weren't being offered by God. There was no place of obedience or safety in this offer. There was no offer of faithfulness in return. And Christ responded in obedience to God and acknowledgement of his name. A rereading of Psalm 91 offers a bit of a different perspective than before. If you look at it through the eye of running from someone who is your adversary, says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you in his feathers, and under his wings you will take refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Your adversary this image of someone stalking in the darkness out to destroy you. This is the image that Psalm 91 is talking about. The psalm is saying that God will save you from the enemy when you run from him. When you say, no, I will not worship you. No, I will not cast myself down off the temple and hope that God will save me. When you flee the devil, your adversary God will protect you under his wings. And this reading is dramatically different than maybe the first time. 
The psalmist is not saying that you will never go through hardship, that you will never fear or cry. It does not say that you will never be tempted. The psalmist says at the very end, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you run to him when you are tempted, he will deliver you. If you choose the path that's been laid out for salvation, he will be your satisfaction. For some, this rereading might be a disappointment. Some were hoping that if you can just work harder and sin less, then there's a promise of no worries. Some people are so burnt out from trying to make that a real thing that they've become jaded. Others will find this rereading to be a relief. Maybe God is still trustworthy even though I'm struggling. Maybe there should be an opportunity to talk openly about hardship. There should be a place where you can talk about depression or sin or confess your faults without having to worry about the mistrust of others. We have built a culture that is so focused on external perfection. While other people see when they look at us that we've forgotten what internal perfection looks like. The psalmist isn't talking about carefree living. He's not expecting you to have everything together to look exactly the way someone else wants you to. The end goal, the desire of God, is that he might honor us for our obedience, that he might show us his salvation. I don't think salvation can be realized when we're looking for this external, unattainable perfection. I think we are just keeping ourselves busy with all the wrong things. And for those who suffer from the things of this world, such as pain and sorrow and loss, the search for easy living causes us to lose any sense of the faith that we tend to describe. If we are looking for easy life, Christianity is not the answer. In fact, Christ's description of Christian living is even harder than the life of the person who ignores God. But God does promise his protection. Those who seek him and turn to what is good will be honored. Those who stand in the shelter of his wing will be shown salvation and shown protection from the enemy. We make it harder on ourselves when we try to name what that per perfection looks like. And at times in life, there will be place for questioning. Whether our experience matches up with the great joy of the psalmist. But the truth is that Psalm 91 paints a beautiful picture of who God is. The psalmist realizes that the great love of God protects those who run to him. He depicts God standing between us and evil, saying, You shall not pass. You have no place near my own. The Lord looks upon his people and says, I will save you because you acknowledge me. This is the wonderful love of God. God places us under the shelter of his wing, and our adversary cannot come near us. There is no place for death. For God says he will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. 
I will deliver and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The promise of the psalm is one of great faithfulness. It's a promise worth awaiting. And this is the truth that Christ embraced in the desert. The faithfulness of God was his refuge in his time of temptation. He stood there in the face of this offer for food and said, but wait, there's so much more that God has intended than just bread. Wait. God has promised that he will command the angels concerning me. But that doesn't mean that I need to go see if that works. I'm just trusting that it does. And he was honored for that. He was protected from his adversary. And so this kind of faithfulness is the kind that Jesus acknowledges in the face of temptation. The kind that he encourages us towards. And this is the promise of Psalm 91. That in the face of danger, that we will be protected under his way. So, let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this great promise of protection. For the promise of faithfulness that has been shown over and over again through every testimony that we have read, through every testimony that we hear from one another, that you truly do protect us. And I pray that as we live our lives, that that testimony might be apparent in what we say and what we do. That we would be an image of your faithfulness as well. And I pray that we would remember this faithfulness, this psalm of great grace as we are going and as we are tempted that what's in front of us may be good or may not be good and yet your promise of salvation is so much more and pray all of this in your name